SMC Podcast. Welcome back to the SMC Podcast. Today on the line, we've got Dwight Weber. Good morning, Dwight. Hey, bro. It's good to be with you, man. You too. Now, uh, we're talking with Dwight because, as many of you know, Dwight is one of the pastors over at Spring Arbor Free Methodist Church. But uh, just a few weeks ago, he and his wife were commissioned to to go start something new. So this is uh, still pretty fresh news in the conference. It was cool because at... uh, um, at Frankenmuth, while we were on Pastor Spouse Retreat, uh, you guys kind of had a chance to kind of share with everyone how this came to be and and all that. But, uh, uh, you know, probably on a wide scale, uh, much of the conference still needs to hear the story and see how this came about. So um, why don't why don't you uh, first kind of describe what uh, the project's going to look like, and then we'll, we'll back up a little bit and talk sure, about how sure. we got there. Well, we've been commissioned uh, to move to the Elkhart, Indiana area. Uh, In that area, they refer to it as Michiana, which is uh, northern Indiana and southwest Michigan, to start a network of microchurches. These are going to be small bodies of Christ that will meet outside the typical context of church or what we typically know as church. They'll meet in break rooms. They'll meet in community centers, uh, teachers' lounges, restaurants, uh, wherever people gather. They could be a home, but most likely they're going to be in uh, parts of of people's lives where people naturally intersect with those who are far from God. Uh, They'll start organically, hopefully, through relationships. Um, They will uh, build on those relationships, interjecting spiritual conversations, uh, leading people to faith, and then um, beginning to step into the discipling process. And as that discipling process uh, emerges or matures, uh, others will be drawn in and a body will be formed. Uh, What will make them unique from a church uh, community group or outreach group is that they'll not have the expectation to come back to a local church, but they will be, they will be set up to actually be a church. And they want to do, these small communities will do everything that we would know church to do. They might do it differently. Uh, there might be some of the things that we view as church that they don't necessarily do, but they will have the ecclesiastical essentials to what it means to be a body of Christ and to reach uh, their community um, for Christ. Awesome. So this... Uh... This is uh, kind of, uh, it's newer in at least the Southern Michigan Conference because many of us are still used to, you know, walking into a, a building that's been called a church or at least renting a space and, and using it in some, some way where we know like our, our church gathers here. But this is, uh, this is not looking to necessarily be like huge bodies because you called them small bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's, yeah, there's no... Um, there's no limitation on them, but mm-hmm. we're not intending them to be groups of 65 to 70. It could be, but we're, we're, we feel that a group of eight to 10, 12, 14 uh, are a legitimate body of Christ. And so we want, uh, we allow them to function in that capacity. They'll really be whatever the, whatever the leaders called them to be. I mean, they will totally reflect the leader. There's no question about it, 
But, the, you know, the vast majority of people can intentionally care for 8 to 12 people pretty easily, and that will be the key to success for these. And when you say leaders, you're talking about, like, setting up lay leaders over these churches. So even though you're a, a pastor, you would kind of be overseeing other leaders rather than uh, micromanaging micro churches. Is that a- <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly right? We've intentionally called it a network because we really want this to be um, really a connectional system, as very, you know, just like what Wesley did with the classes. But they will be led by uh, everyday people. They'll be led by uh, someone, hopefully, someone who, as a result of relationships, come to faith comes to Christ, and they will a lot of times be a new believer. So we will have built into the structure a, a regular reoccurring, how early, how often we aren't ready to say yet, but it'll be a regular reoccurring gathering of these pioneers uh, or missionaries that will be leading these groups or group leaders. And uh, we'll, our purpose will be, one, equip them and, and train them, but also gather them uh, for worship and connection. Um, the, they, this is going to be kind of a frontline thing, and, and everybody who pastors knows that sometimes being on the front edge it can be lonely and can be challenging. And there's nothing like being together with others who are walking in the same, um, living in the same boat you are, uh, to really encourage you in your walk and give you the tools that you need. So we will be gathering uh, these leaders uh, regularly for a time of connection. Cool. Um, now, I know you guys uh, worked a little bit with, uh, what was it you guys who worked with the underground churches over in Florida? Yeah, we, well, we're doing, we're doing two things. One, we're going we're gonna to partner with two different ministries and kind of have a hybrid of the two. One is the Fresh Expression Movement, and I'm sure that you've talked about that in the past. Basically, it's an organization coming out of the UK, and, and, and it has found a home here in the U.S. that really gets churches to look outside of their four walls and look for an expression, some way that they can do church outside of the context of church. And then uh, Tampa Underground is another organization who um, they do basically the same thing. The difference is that the Tampa Underground becomes the network or becomes the body that commissions and equips and prepares as opposed to the local church. Uh, a lot of the early uh, Tampa Underground uh, leaders came out of um, InterVarsity and those kinds of things, those parachurch ministries, and so their 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 model has come out of a parachurch. But we we really feel that um, especially in uh, the Michiana area, there is a strong uh, connectional system. There's a strong church network, and so I think part of our role will be coming alongside of some of these churches and 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 helping them by equipping some of their key people to uh, to do this kind of thing so we'll work as a as a partner with them but at the same time we're praying that god will reach people who are far from god who have absolutely no connection with church and you know demographically are the nuns and duns and so they won't have that support system and then we will step in we will come alongside of them and function so our network will probably have uh two sides of the same coin you know, one where we support uh, expressions of church from that are tethered to a local church and others where we come alongside of these micro church leaders who don't have uh, a previously established body to support them and encourage them cool uh now i'm, I'm thinking I, I was reading a little bit of brian sanders book uh one of the guy the executive yep. director over uh over that Tam- tampa underground movement and he was talking in his book uh if you really love a car, you end up kind of like pulling it apart and then putting it back together again. And that's what 
that was kind of his grand analogy for the church. You, you pull the church apart and then you start putting back together what does it take to to be a church, to qualify as a church. So, you know, they might have removed music and then they uh, might have removed a message and all these things and started bringing all the pieces back together until they finally felt like, okay, this is like the minimum of what it means to show up and, and kind of be a church together. Um, what was interesting was he said, it was kind of weird. They ended up bringing back all the same exact elements you usually find in most <laughs> churches. Uh, but because they really love the church, it was kind of like that dissecting that helped them pull it apart, put it back together and then see like, okay, these do belong here. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, as you're, uh, and you may not have this figured out. I mean, obviously, you guys are still getting ready to really kick this off here. Um, mm-hmm. But do you do you have an idea as to what exact kind of things you were looking to be practiced in these kind of gatherings? Like, what what is it for you that that you're hoping to find in, in these groups? And I know they're groups, and they're meant to be different. Um, but do you have, like, ideology set up ahead of time or anything sure. like that? Well, it's a great question, and it, and you're right. We are in the midst of processing that, uh, and it's interesting because both Brian does in the Tampa Underground system, but also Fresh Expressions uh, wrestles with the very same thing, and uh, their phrase is that they use, you've got to have to really deal with your ecclesiastical minimums, mm-hmm. and so as we've wrestled with that, we um you know if you if you know anything about Mark and Valen and I of these last couple of years as we've wrestled with the Worship Connect Serve stuff, you know, really, we want to bring people to the word worship is is far more than just about music and 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 singing. It really is about exalting the Father. So for me, one of those ecclesiastical norms is that they need to have uh, Jesus or the Father at the center of who they are through either their study or some aspect of exalting, looking to Him. He's got to be centered to everything. And I, for me, um, you know, one expression of that is some aspect of the word and some aspect of prayer. So we want that to be a part of these groups in some form. A lot of these micro churches or fresh expressions will serve communion, and that's kind of their visual of that. Um, and so I'm totally appropriate. I'm totally fine with, with communion being in there, although I, I want more than anything where they are based on who they are, that they really do. And what distinguishes them from just hanging out and being a, being a group is the fact that their, their life is centered around God and Jesus Christ. So therefore, there's going to have some degree of discipleship in that process. Speaking of Jesus, the norm has to be not just about social care or or doing something that would make a difference in someone's life, but there isn't anything we can do apart from Jesus that will make a difference in people's lives. So there's got to be that that thrust of introducing and connecting people with Jesus and then, then seeing them grow and develop. So the, the ecclesiastical norm or minimum for me has to be um, not only centered on Jesus, but also the expression of the gospel in some form, in some way, where which is very different than a typical church community group or life group or small group. Many of those just exist basically for the sake of community, and we want community to be a part of it, which is another one of our uh, ecclesiastical minimums, and that they've got to be an identified uh, body that is committed to one another. But it, it, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be about those who are not a part of the group yet at this point as well. Beyond that, you know, uh, I, I just don't, I, I don't know yet. Um, I'm not convinced that, that um, clergy or 
or uh, a, a meeting place or as you jokingly said you know music those kind of things uh, you know does is an offering constitute church uh, well for some pastors it does but <laughs> you can't do church without an offering but i'm i'm not convinced that that is necessarily i think part of the discipling process we have to teach biblical stewardship but um i don't see that as a key element so a lot of what we do in the traditional church probably might you know probably won't appear necessarily in these uh, they'll have uh, you know a close resemblance to a, to a small group but at the same time uh, they will center on uh, jesus and the vibrancy that he brings into our lives yeah no i love that that's that's just one of the interesting questions that I always come back to is like, man, this is the thing that might take a while to work out in doing a microchurch thing yeah. is yeah. just figuring out what basics you need because kind of the point of microchurches is for them to be different. Yeah. Uh, you and I were at that Fresh Expressions meeting in Dearborn, and, and they were just sharing, you know, we've got tattoo church mm-hmm. <laughs> where all, mm-hmm. all those guys go out and get mm-hmm. a new tattoo. I don't know how long that can work for you run out of body <laughs> space. but um, And then burritos and Bibles, another church that meets in uh, Moe's and gets uh, burritos and reads their Bibles together. And it's like, yeah. okay, so all these things, they're meant to be different. Um, right. So what is the defining factor between all of them? Or, or is there? So it's just, yeah. it's cool. It gives you a lot of space to really think that over, work it out. And and uh, I think it, what's really cool about it is it requires you to really take a close look at the Bible, you know. It does. Because uh, yeah. at least all the churches, we've all grown up, and it's just like church is church. It's got the same thing. Right. There's a stage. There's the offering, like you were saying, the music, the message, and then we're out. And if you... Uh, take away these things, could it be church? And like you start looking at the Bible and you're like, oh, yeah, actually, the Bible doesn't even necessarily have all of these elements that we so traditionally practice. So it's cool that it forces us to kind of rethink and and rework that. Um, I love to hear a little bit of uh, the story. I'm sure people would be interested, you know, going from Spring Arbor Free Methodist uh, into, which is one of our, you know, bigger churches in the whole conference to to then going to do a, a micro church movement. Uh, we'd just love to hear how God's pulled you into this. Well, let me take just a half step back before oh, okay. I do that, yeah. because there's there's this whole idea that you just kind of hit on a second ago is really, really, uh, I think a lot of us are going to be wrestling with, and what does it actually look like? And, and just to go back and to restate what you did, the beauty to these is that they will not have any one look to them. And I think um, Tampa Underground... Uh, has done a really good job. They put together a little, uh, like an eight or 10 minute documentary. And if you've got, if somebody's got time to go to their website and look for the underground uh, documentary, it's on their cover page or in typically on the front of their webpage. It, it, it's a, it's a powerful visual. In fact, uh, and as well as fresh expressions has the same thing. If you Google uh, what is a fresh expression of church, you're going to probably get to uh, a number of videos that they put together, but if you're right, they, they really will look, uh, organically like the leader or they'll look very much like the environment in which they are and as you mentioned about Moe's uh, Southwest Grill and the burritos and Bibles Julie and I had the privilege of being at that site a few weeks ago and literally I, I've been in many restaurants and I've met with guys in restaurants but I, I've never done that kind of an environment and and that looks totally different than you're right uh, the tattoo church or we went to one that same weekend 
called Yoga Church, which really stretched me, and that was an intentional <laughs> pun. Um, I didn't do the yoga, but just even the concept of yoga and church would cause all of us to kind of, you know, shake our head. But um, I would encourage uh, a look at uh, two resources. One, um, Brian Sanders' book, The Underground Church, and then also the book, uh, Steeples to Streets, is another one from Fresh Expression. Those two, as a practitioner, are really a good guide. But to take into your, a step into your question, how did this come about? And, and it, it is going to be, in one way, it's going to be a radical change from anything we've done. I think this is my 36th year of ministry. And, and in one sense, I have never, ever done anything like this. In fact, actually, I've said from day one, I will, I will not plan a church. I'm not, I'm not a get to church planner. I, I wouldn't do that kind of thing. Besides that, you got to raise your own funds. And I mean, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather eat pickles all day than, than do that. So yeah, you never um, say that out loud. God hears those I, statements and Exactly. Makes and he you did. do the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> he sure did. So, you know, in one sense, it's totally different than anything we've ever done. And yet in the other sense, as I really wrestle with it, it is very much like what I've done over the years. I mean, my whole career, you know, 36 years, 15, were a leader, solo pastor. But the majority of my time has been as an associate staff. And, and typically, I've always worked with mobilization in some form, um, you know, getting people to connect connect with who they are, find their place not only in the body of Christ as a in their identity in Christ, but also to find how God has wired them to function and their shape and those kind of things. So really, in a sense, this is really an extension of who I am. And after I kind of came to grips with what God is calling us to do, it, it I am so passionate about it, it's not even funny, because I get to step outside of the normal, traditional structure of church and really connect with people where they live, work, and play, mobilize them based on who they are to be the body of Christ. And and anybody who's led small groups or that kind of stuff, that really is what a, a small group ministry is about. And so really, I am taking what we have attempted to do at Spring Arbor and the churches that I've served before that, and just move it outside of the context of the local church. So when they, um, they came to me uh, with this idea, and really, this is a joint venture between South Michigan and the Wabash Conference. And when Superintendent John Lane came uh, to our conference leadership and said, ask for some help, they have a, a number, they have a few churches in the northern Indiana area that are, uh, they're smaller and some of them are struggling. And uh, I, I feel bad for John because John, the superintendent, is, uh, his office is in southern Indiana, about an hour south of Indianapolis. And, you know, the distance between there to these northern churches is tough. And so um, he had asked for some assistance. And then, to make a long story short, this idea came to play. And, and we began to say, hey, what would happen if we did uh, this kind of an initiative in that Elkhart area? And so that's kind of where it came from. I, we will still be commissioned and responsible to the Southern Michigan Conference, but it will be kind of a cross-conference uh, connection and be living there and, and serving in that area. And so my hope is to uh, to be an encouragement to those pastors, but more than anything, to build on the, on the church that is already there and mobilize it to uh, reach people who are far from God. That's awesome. So yeah, uh, we've learned a few things. Uh, never tell God you won't do something. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, all kinds of really cool stuff here. I'm I'm excited to see how it works. Uh, when we went to the Fresh Expressions event together, you know, I was I was intrigued to see how this would play out uh, when it was officially performed. Because to some extent, 
And maybe some people listening right now have even kind of asked the question, what's the difference between like a small group in a church um, and uh, a micro church? But I think we found that answer here just in kind of the way that uh, it's all set up. So it's going to be really cool to see, you know, just just how this all plays out once uh, yeah. you're in there. And and when do you kick this off? Are you already already hit well, the ground running or? We, my last Sunday in uh, Spring Arbor at the church was the 26th, so we've been a couple Sundays out now. Um, and even though we still live in Spring Arbor, our house is for sale. We're, uh, we've had it on the market for, uh, just for sale by owner in the last few weeks. We're just this week meeting with agents, real estate agents, to formally list it with a, uh, an agency. And well, as soon as we physically sell, then we will be able to you know move our stuff and, and live there full time. But each week I've been going down and, and doing appointments. And, the, you know, somebody said to me not long ago, how are you going to do this? In fact, actually, my neighbor across the street, who is uh, not a Christ follower, as was trying to wrap his brain around this, as I shared with him, he said, how are you going to do this? And, and, and I, I have to be careful because the answer is, I mean, I've got lots of ideas and, and you know, bless Dustin's heart, he's working with strategy and, and that's what we need to do. We need to have it in place. But the real bottom line is that God is going to have to supernaturally connect us with people who, for the most part, we probably don't even know. Um, Julie and I did serve a church in that northern Indiana for a few years, and and uh, we do have some affinity there. We do have some friends. We do have some connections. We do know some churches and some pastors. But it's amazing how God in his amazing grace has been connecting us with people in that area who are leaders who understand and or already beginning to network. I tell you just a couple of quick stories. And, and so my answer to the question, how are you going to do that? Is I say not to over spiritualize, but we're going to have to start on our knees. We've got to do it on our knees. And Julie and I were in Florida a few weeks, um, a month ago or so and visiting Tampa underground. We were there to kind of observe and learn. And we, uh, uh, we went and met uh, all day along with uh, Mark Van Balen and, and Eric um, from Dearborn, you know, we met with Tampa's leadership and, and they said kind of in passing on that Wednesday, they said, yeah, you know, um, next Friday is our fundraising banquet. So annually we do this and June and I kind of looked at each other because the way our schedule was, we were not flying out until Saturday. And so we said, hey, we're going to this thing. So we went to the vision, went to the meeting, we went to the banquet, we walked into this room and we didn't know anybody. And so before we left the car that night, we prayed together saying, Lord, you know why we're here. We don't know anybody. There's, you're, We believe that there's somebody that you want us to connect with. And so would you open that door, help us to see, meet this person? And so we got in there, and they had this hors d'oeuvre time. We're standing at a little table. We didn't know anybody. Nobody's talking to us. One of their staff gals stepped by and said, hey, you guys are new. You don't know anybody. Let me introduce you. And as soon as she said the word introduce you, across the room was walking this guy to us as if he was stopping he was going to walk by but she stopped him and said steve let me introduce you and steve to make a long story short is uh the guy for tampa underground who's a part of their leadership team who oversees movements uh and what we would be called would be a movement for them we're another uh, entity another organization would be a sister organization to the tampa underground and we'd be starting a movement like they did. Well, Steve uh, is an African-American from southern uh, part of Tampa who has already started another network that is a sister network to Tampa Underground. And so immediately he went into this, oh, man, this is great. This is cool. Uh, here's what I did. Here's how I did it. And, and he began to just share his 
um, several years of experience kind of on the fly with great enthusiasm. And as he, you know, he was kind of winding that down, he said, uh, well, where are you going to do this at? And we said, well, we're going to move to Elkhart, Indiana, and we're going to, you know, begin the network there. And he laughs, big, huge laugh. And he says, that's hilarious because in my tradition, I'm also viewed as a, as a bishop, and, and I work with a, a number of churches around the country, and our office is in St. Joe, Michigan. And I go to St. Joe about every month to, to work with them. And man, when I you're gonna have, when you get there, you got to connect with me. And so I thought we left that night just blown away hmm. with an opportunity to meet with a guy who is who is a, a network you know creator, mobilizer. God is using it in an enormously powerful way, and he's going to be what uh, half an hour, forty minutes on a regular basis from us. So there were a couple other connections we made that night. I. Uh, uh, wrote a friend an email who was the superintendent of the missionary church uh, last couple of weeks ago saying, hey, we're doing this and I'd like to meet with you because I'd like to share a little of the vision because I want your guys to at least be aware of what we're doing. And uh, I didn't get a real favorable response. It was kind of a, a one, two line, okay, I'll meet you at such and such a time. And it was like, I thought, oh my goodness. Well, uh, literally a day later, I get a phone call from a guy that I've known years ago who was an apostolic type of leader in that area and said, hey, I was talking to, and he mentioned his name and said, you're coming to this area, you're going to be doing the very thing that I'm trying to do right now. And so um, we will connect next week as well. And uh, Julian has a cousin, Julian has a cousin in, believe it or not, in Seattle, Washington, who we've never really spent any time with because this whole growing up, he was far from God. But in the meantime, in the last couple of years, has come to know Christ has uh, really gotten, is totally on fire for the Lord and has joined an organization called uh, Revive America. And he and his wife have become missionaries to Seattle and uh, they have quit their job, raised funds, and they are living full-time to be basically street evangelists. They don't preach on the street, but they uh, a lot of times will, will, will be in public arenas and they will interview and pray for people and lead them to Christ, disciple them, and they're building a community. And and he was telling us about an organization in Indiana that Julian and I had heard about. Um, and literally one of their key leaders is from Elkhart, Indiana. And so I have another appointment with him through an introduction from this cousin of Julie's in Seattle to meet with this guy in Elkhart next week or in a couple of weeks to uh, connect with him. This is a prayer based movement. And so part every now and then somebody says why Elkhart and th there's about three answers one I don't know and two <laughs> uh, because you know it's a joint venture between the two and that's what uh, John Lane has asked us to you know it was his idea to do Elkhart but I really think the third reason is that God in the last four or five years has been working in this area and there have been a couple of prayer movements that have been crying out to God for revival and renewal in Elkhart. And it, it appears to me like God has just been working behind the scenes, drawing people together. And uh, we're just hoping and praying that, 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 that as we, from our limited perspective, it appears like God's doing something and we're just going to be a part of that. We're, it's, it's not because of us and we're not going to go as the white knight to you know save the world. We are just simply joining a movement that God is doing in this Elkhart area and northern indiana area and we're just praying and fasting and asking god to to use us to do things that are beyond our imagination so that, that kind of a, was a long answer to your question but um you know we're just excited to be a part of it oh that's great there's 
no greater security in ministry than recognizing that God's brought you to a time and place for a reason and yeah. all that. So uh, that's exactly. awesome. Uh, and you said you've, uh, well, hang on, I got a question really quick. Do we have any anything like this where, uh, do we have any, any other thing that you know of where conferences have teamed up to kind of do an effort like this? Well, there's some uh, work with David Yardy in the East, and um, he and Thad uh, Roller have been working with church planning that kind of resembles this. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the in Southern California, uh, they've been doing some church planning that kind of resembles this. But to my knowledge, there's not a actual network of these micro-type churches. There's churches that uh, back when uh, Pastor Mark was doing the Disciple Deeply um, stuff with the last general conference, one of the churches in Southern California talked about doing some of these kinds of fresh expressions in parks and that kind of stuff. So we're not we're, we're not re- we're not uh, creating something brand new, but we are uh, f- for our tribe. I I don't know of another network like this. There's uh, half a dozen of these networks around the country, uh, and you can. Um, uh, uh, can Google these kind of things. There's one in, in Kansas City and Tampa, and if you go to the Tampa site, you can see that uh, for Harvest, there's a few others that are that are out there. And and um, but as a denomination, I I don't know of any. I could be wrong, and and sometimes ignorance is bliss. But um, I I really think that there's this is a new concept yeah. uh, that if we can if we can begin to do and do well can be uh, transferable and reproducible around the country. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I figured we weren't uh, the only ones. I was just trying to figure out, like, if traditionally a church has been, like, a building inside of a conference, then you're usually, you know, under one conference's roof, but you guys are under two, so it's just an intriguing new way to to, to look at how it works We are partnering with two, but we will be fully responsible to south michigan okay um and and john bless his heart did a really good job of creating a memo of understanding and as i understand his thoughts he is um given us full rights to function in the context of wabash but uh we won't have any responsibility to them uh, okay. at this point hopefully okay. we might get a donation from them but we <laughs> <laughs> uh, wabash is listening right now uh <laughs> Hey, and you said that uh, you did. You say you pastored in Indiana before, or like you we did. Been, okay, so then yeah. I don't have to remind you. I grew up in Three Oaks, and okay. the closest place to get groceries was Michigan City, which for whatever reason is in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> and how many times we forgot that you're driving into time change just by yeah. <laughs> crossing over, and stores are closed because it's later than you thought it was. I just want to remind you that your life is now in two places, <laughs> two different times. Well, grateful we're grateful that Elkhart is still in the eastern time zone because oh, that is okay. a headache in some parts of, of Indiana. But the ironic thing is that Elkhart is also highly influenced by the Amish and the Mennonites. So there's a huh. significant um, uh, segment there of that part of the world. It's it is a fairly it's a little bit of its own Bible Belt. It's very much a a Bible Belt area, and yet at the same time. 58.3% of that population would declare themselves as a nun or done. Hmm. And it's filled with churches. I mean, seriously, it's got churches everywhere. And yet, just like most every part of the country, 
it's got you know 58 to 60 percent of the people who have given up and walked away from church or want nothing to do with it so the harvest is still ripe and the labors are few and we're just asking god to do something that yeah. only he could do and because you can take on any different form you could probably uh start our first like amish free methodist <laughs> church that well, you know, this pray this um, a revive America actually came out of a uh, was birthed by a guy who w- grew up Amish, <laughs> uh, and as a child they converted them to to be a Mennonite, and so it really does have uh, some Amish Mennonite uh, roots. And I was on their website just the other day looking at some of the prayer gatherings, and they have prayer, weekly prayer gatherings in some very intense Mennonite Amish areas. So you're right, uh, I'm not giving up my car, but uh, they're they're there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, uh, if you all want to uh, get on board with what God is doing with the Webers, uh, you can always go check out. Uh, I'm sure you guys have a page up on missioniganiter.org. We do. Um, yep. So you can go over there, and I'm sure there's ways to, to give to them. And uh, you can definitely always keep them in prayer. And I'm excited in another year to to get you back on the podcast and hear about all the, the things that you guys have been, been up to. Thanks, man. We look forward to it. Cool. Well, thanks for talking with us today, Dwight. Okay, thank you. Podcast.